Hey, church, we serve an awesome God, don't we? He has given us a great mission and has given us the ability to fulfill it with the power of his Holy Spirit. We are in week two of Mission Possible. And if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Jonah, chapter 1. The book of Jonah, chapter 1. And as you're turning there, let me just share with you a quick story about turning 60. This past Wednesday was Secretary's Day, so I get up in the morning and I go to ShopRite because I want to acknowledge our secretaries. I got some cards for them. I, I was at ShopRite, and it, it's almost like my, my life is a magnet. I'm drawn to that 60 and over lane. And even though I wasn't 60 yet, I, I knew I had one more day. I, I went into that lane thinking that maybe perhaps that cashier would just boost my ego and say, I'm sorry, sir, this is for those 60 and over. But she said, come right ahead. She took my money, rang me up, and I left. And a big shout out to Rachel and Hope and Nancy. I know Hope's been my secretary for 24 years. And Rachel, I think you've been with us for 12 years. Nancy, I think you're going on 10 years. What an awesome office staff God has given to us. So on Thursday, my birthday, I had to get some stamps. So I went to ShopRite 6 o'clock in the morning. I got the stamps. And I also heard someone say that at the end of aisle 15, there were hand sanitizers. So I picked up some hand sanitizers. And now I go to the 60 and over cashier. I get there. And she goes, I'm sorry, sir. This is for those 60 and over. And I told her, well, today's my birthday, and I'm turning 60. Well, I don't turn 60 until 2.36 in the afternoon. She just looked at me. She says, come ahead. So uh, that, that's my story on, on being 60. So, um, hey, have, have you ever heard someone complain that God is too loving or God is too kind, or God is too forgiving? Have you ever heard someone complain that, God, you show way too much mercy? I haven't, but perhaps I, I think that that's how Jonah felt. Perhaps Jonah felt God was too loving and too forgiving. And, and this morning, I want to I wanna talk about the problem, the solution, and the result. Let's get right into the problem. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because he wanted those people punished. Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrians. And of course, the Assyrians and the Israelites were always at odds with one another. And Jonah thought that perhaps if he went to Nineveh and preached, God would let them off the hook and God would forgive them. So what does Jonah do? Jonah decides, there's no way I'm going to Nineveh. He goes down to the port of Joppa. He hops on a boat. And instead of going 550 miles northeast to Nineveh, he starts to travel 2,500 miles west in the opposite direction. 
What do we find Jonah doing? He's running from God. In fact, he thought he could run so far that he could actually hide from God. Problem number one, no matter how far you run, you can never hide from God. Problem number two, let's take a look at what takes place. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and cried out to his own God. And they threw cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah, he, was, he had gone down below the deck where he laid down and fell into a deep sleep. Now this must have been a really bad storm for professional sailors to be afraid. They were used to the open seas, but this must have been a storm like none other. This must have been the perfect storm for the ship was, was starting to, they were fearful, fearful that the ship was going to break apart. And, and, and the sailors, these professional sailors were afraid they were going down. And in the midst of this storm, we find them doing two things. First, Scripture says that they cried out each to his own God. Well, there's a problem right there because God is all lowercase. And we know there's no such things as other gods. There's only one true God. Well, unless you love something so much that you make it an idol, that you begin to worship it, it becomes a God. But because there are no other gods, that's, that's a problem right there. They're crying out to someone who doesn't exist. And number two, they're throwing things overboard to, to lighten the ship. I find it interesting that in the midst of this storm, and storms can arise in our lives. Storms sometimes are only a phone call away. But in the midst of this storm, they give us an example that first we should always pray. In fact, James 5.13 says, Is anyone in trouble? He should pray. And then secondly, they took action to try to solve the problem. You know what we do many times, many people in this world, when, when they get that, when they're in the midst of trouble or they're in the midst of storm, they try to solve the difficulty on their own first. And then when all else fails, well, then they pray. We need to pray first. Secondly, take action. Well, there's another problem that has aroused. And now we find Jonah in the midst of this storm. It doesn't even catch his attention. He's still sound asleep. As his life is in jeopardy, as the lives of others are in jeopardy, he is fast asleep. In fact, even in verse 6, I believe it is, the captain says, How can you be sleeping? Wake up! Isn't it sad that Jonah, in the midst of this difficulty, in the midst of this storm, in the midst of jeopardizing the lives of other sailors, he, we find him sleeping. What's the simple answer? 
to me, the, the simple answer is Jonah thinks that he's outrun God. Jonah thinks that he's gotten away with it. Jonah thinks he's off the hook. Why worry? Why fret? Why be concerned without God? I've outrun him and I can hide. God's not going to find me. Who cares anyway? And there he is, fast asleep. Hey, before I want to move on, I just want to share a life lesson with you about this story. And the life lesson is this. Others suffer because of our sins. Others suffer because of our sins. Take a look at Jonah here. When we think we sin, when we sin, we think that we're only hurting ourselves. But that's not true because in this story, because of Jonah's sin, he has jeopardized the life of all the other sailors. There are four words I want you to ponder for a moment. Those four words are these. We never sin alone. We never sin alone. We may be alone when we sin, but we never sin alone. Jonah was the sinner in this situation, and he jeopardized the lives of all those sailors. Listen, when we sin, when we compromise, when we deceit ourselves, we also injure the lives of others, like our spouse, like our children, like our family, like our friends. Okay, now let's take a look at the solution. In verse 7, the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out Who's responsible for this calamity? And they casted lots, and the lot fell. You got it, on Jonah. Now, this is kind of interesting. They casted lots. Some, some think that they might have been like a bag, and each man would put out, pull out a stone or a rock of a different color, and whoever got the odd color, that's who the lot fell upon. It, it, you almost think that it, it was left up to chance. But there's an interesting scripture verse in Proverbs 16, 33. The lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. The lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. Through the casting of the lots, they found out that Jonah was responsible for this difficulty. And Jonah confessed, as he already told them that he was running from the Lord. It's interesting here, he He answers and says, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And what I think is so interesting here is is just about the time you think you can run away from God, you can't. Jonah, you may run and run and run, but it doesn't change who you are. I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven. 
I'm sure that as an infant, he learned God's word and he kept the traditions and he, he prayed. He, he kept those festivals. And now when he thought he could run, God has a funny way of saying, you may run, but it doesn't change who you are. It's almost like saying, hey, Jonah, you're a Hebrew. Act like a Hebrew. Talk like a Hebrew. Walk like a Hebrew. Live like a Hebrew. Pray like a Hebrew. Boy, there's a message in there for us as well. As Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to act like a Christian. We need to live like a Christian. We need to talk like a Christian. We need to walk like a Christian. We need to pray like a Christian. God wants us to behave like believers. Hey, one of the interesting thing about Facebooks is uh, I was able to connect with one of my college roommates, uh, one of my college mates from Valley Forge Christian College, Jim Benton. In fact, his, his parents are the founders of the Walter Hoving Home. And, and look at, listen to this post he posted the other day. Acting like a Christian is easy. Reacting like one is hard. Acting like a Christian is easy. Reacting like one is hard. Now look what happens next. They know that it's Jonah's fault. What, what's the solution? What are they going to do? Jonah says, just throw me overboard and the storm will cease. In verse 12, pick me up and throw me into the sea. And it will be calm. I know it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. And you know what's so interesting? The men. The men did their best to try to row back to the land. The men tried their, their hardest to, to row back to the shore. But the storm only grew worse. And eventually... In order for the boat, in order for their lives to be saved, a sacrifice had to be made. Whoa. Now, isn't this an interesting parallel to salvation? In order for the ship to be saved, there had to be a sacrifice. How does this relate to our lives? Listen. You may try your hardest to save your life. You may think that if you're perfect enough or if you're good enough or if you try hard enough to row your life to the shore of salvation that you'll make it. But my friends, you'll never make it on your own. For salvation only comes through a sacrifice by God giving his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to forgive us of our sins. The only way to God is through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. In order to live, one had to die and conquer death. So we talked about the problem We've taken a look at the solution. Now, what are the results? 
Well, the result is as soon as they threw Jonah overboard, the raging sea, verse 15 says, it grew calm. The wind stopped. The waves stopped buffeting against the boat. I believe there was blue sky and all was calm. The result is also we see the mercy and the grace of God. For in verse 17, but the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the, fishes, the fish three days and three nights. Boy, there's another parallel to Jesus, isn't it? And then we think, well, the story just goes on. Jonah repents in the belly of that giant fish, is spewed out, and then goes to Nineveh. But you know what? That is true. And that is how the story goes. But we miss out on a very important, significant part here in verse, in chapter 1. And that's the lives of the sailors. In fact, Pastor Bonnie, you can come at this time if you want to start playing quietly as we start to close this. But to me, this is an important part of the story that I have missed for so many years. And, and just listen to this. Remember when the storm broke out? And remember when the seas became so rough and the storm became so fierce? Remember in verse 5, the sailors were so afraid that they each cried, they each prayed out to his own God. Small g, lowercase g, lowercase o, lowercase d. And it's been years before I've been able to see this. But there in verse 14, those sailors are no longer crying out to the lowercase g God, but they're crying out to, Oh Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. They're crying out to the one true God. And then in verse 16, it says, the men greatly feared the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And they made vows to him and they sacrificed to him. I don't know if you realize the, the significance of this, but as a result of that storm, the lives of these sailors were changed. You see, in the NIV, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's how they translate Yahweh. That, that word that is so sacred to the Jewish community. Whenever you see in the NIV, capital L, lowercase O, R, D, that's Adonai. But here, these sailors have had a religious conversion. They, they've had a, a, a religious change. And, and now they are crying out to the one true God. All of a sudden, that boat is filled with enthusiastic worshipers. Sacrificing. Making vows. 
and fearing the one true God. Now, what's the significance of this? The significance of this is that boat is not headed to Nineveh. That boat is headed to Tarshish. Here is a boat filled with new missionaries. And when they get to that port city of Tarshish, man, what a story do they have to tell. Hey, they're getting off the boat, and I'm sure they're telling everybody there in that port city, you won't believe what happened to us. We were in the storm of our lives. And we cried out to the one true God. And as we were obedient to Him, all of a sudden, the winds and the waves obeyed the voice of that one true God. And He spared our lives. And we're here to tell you the story of a God who is living and is alive. What's so cool about it? God used a great storm to bring those sailors to the one and true God. And then use them as witnesses to the ends of the world. He used Jonah to go to Nineveh, to the east, and he used those sailors to go to the west. Do you know that this really, the story of Jonah is not about a runaway, but it's a story of how people, of how God loves people and are willing and is willing to go to the ends of the earth to reach people for him. Perhaps you're in a storm of your life. Perhaps your life, like that boat, feels like it's falling apart. Like those sailors, you may try to, to row to the, to, the, to the shore of peace or to the shore of salvation, but, but you can't do it on your own. My friend, you need Jesus today. Like those sailors cried out to the one true God would you cry out and pray to the one true God for your life today? In a moment, I'm just going to give you that opportunity, but as we've been asking here, I, I know it's hard to get all connected through the internet, but, but at the close of the service, there's a connection card. In fact, you can see a link. It's a Google Doc. And on that connection card, let me just say it's as simple as A, B, C, and D. If you're already in a relationship with Jesus Christ and you know him as your personal Savior and Lord, would you just check A and, and, and submit it to us? Because we just want to pray with you and for you. If you would like to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ today, you realize that you can't do it on your own and you need Jesus Christ in your life. Would you just check, Mark, would you just mark box B that today you want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a third box. It's box C. Maybe you just need more time to consider. I, I respect that. As a teenager, I, I, had, I, I waited six months, service after service, when the invitation was given. I, I just needed more time to consider. And if you just check box C, and you say, well, why do I, I need to even submit it? Because I would just love to pray with you that when the time is right in your life, that you would commit your life to Jesus Christ. And then there's another box, box D. Box D is, 
is you're just bound determined that you'll never make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And, and, and you may be saying to yourself, well, well, if I'm never going to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, why do I even need to mark it and fill it out anyway? Because I want you to know that I care. And like those sailors on that boat, there was probably a time in their life when they thought they would never make a commitment. But because of a storm, we find them worshiping the true God. For those today who want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, would you just bow your heads and say this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you in my life. And in order for me to live, I now understand that one had to die. In order for that boat to be saved, there had to be a sacrifice. And Lord, I know you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for me so that my sins could be forgiven. I now receive you as my personal Savior and Lord, and I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, folks, as we close this service out, I can't help but think, because of this pandemic, because of this storm, people today are crying out. People are praying to the one true God. We serve an awesome God who's given us a mission and He, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has given us the power to fulfill His great commission. Should we just glorify His name for a moment? Bonnie, could you just sing glorify His name? We We glorify your name. We glorify your name. We glorify your name in all the earth. Oh, we do glorify your name. Yes, we glorify your name. Oh, we glorify your name, Lord. We glorify. time and I'm sure that it's not going to be long where we're going to be able to gather back in God's house it'll be a little different but I'll tell you what I can't wait to get the altar once again get to the altar with you to worship him hey make this day a day where you just continue to worship him make your home an altar of worship today God bless you